Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The so-called fantasy expert. Fantasy football podcast. And we'll let the intro music play. I just want everybody to know I have really grand plans for how the intros of these podcasts should start, um, but they never they never turn out like I think they're going to in my head. But that was a pretty good one. Um, all right, on the line tonight, Jack Delaney. I know we just talked last week, but the NFL draft is now over, so of course we had to bring him back. Jack, how are you? Good, good to be back, and I'm excited to talk over some of the, uh, the exciting happenings in the draft. I know. It was kind of tough talking last week just because we'd be talking about like Melvin Gordon or somebody and we'd say like, oh, he'd be good here. He'd be bad there. He'd be okay here. I don't know how where I draft him because none of these guys had teams, but um, now they do. So first off, how do you think your, your team did? The Ravens, how do you think they, uh, they fared, right? Your Ravens fan, yes? Correct. Uh, I thought it was interesting that we went offense so early, especially grabbed uh, Max Williams, the tight end in the second round. But when I was thinking about it, the uh, the AFC North, it's kind of like an older division. It's getting there with Roethlisberger and Dalton, and uh, Cleveland obviously doesn't have their quarterback situation settled. So I actually kind of liked the uh, the picks that we took early on in offense. And we ended up grabbing a defensive tackle on the defensive end and actually another running back. So I think overall the Ravens did uh, pretty good in the draft. Yeah, the Ravens tend to be one of those teams that I'm always sort of jealous of that uh, ends up getting people, like people fall to them or things work out. I really thought Randy Gregory might fall to you guys. Or did you pass on him? You did pass on him. Well, he did fall to you. I was right. But I thought you might take him there. Um, I was pretty happy. I'm a Giants fan. I was pretty content with it. Wasn't I didn't love the uh, first pick with Eric Flowers, I think his last name is, from Miami. Just I, I saw a bunch of mock drafts with him going later. But, hey, he's a very, very large human being, so he should make a good offensive tackle. And I was happy to see them move up to get a safety and landed Collins from Alabama because we had none. So I can't really complain too much. Um, I was hoping we'd get the other – Beckham, Doriel Green Beckham, and just be able to trot out a tandem of Beckhams for Eli Manning. But, nah, we didn't really need another receiver. But that would have been pretty uh, sick, though. <laughs> it would have been amazing. I was so, I was like, oh, we might get him. And then he went with the pick we traded to Tennessee. So, I mean, I guess Tennessee might have taken him for the, the first pick in the round. But I was really like, because Cruz, you never know. With his knee, he may not be what he was last year or two years ago. Could have been like a nice insurance policy. And I mean, Ruben Randall played really well last year. I don't want to disparage him. But that guy, Doriel Green Beckham, was like a phenomenal player. Uh, Missouri, kind of crazy, but a good player. All right, that's enough rambling about how I think the Giants did. Um, top of the draft, obviously, was one, two quarterbacks. We sort of knew it was going to be – Winston to Tampa. Um, but now that Mariota is definitely in Tennessee, I'm not too high on him as a fantasy prospect. I know we talked a little bit about last week, but did you think did you think he's going to be at all rosterable, Jack? Maybe in like some dynasty leagues if you're kind of involved with that, but I think just for the everyday kind of standard fantasy player, I'm not huge on him, and I'm not even really going to consider him as a backup uh, I think it is interesting that he has Green Beckham now. And, I mean, he does have some options with uh, Kendall Wright and Justin Hunter. And I actually think Delaney Walker's value is going to improve because of uh, Mariota there. He's going to need a safety blanket. So I think he's going to be a good look next year for tight ends. But, 
Yeah, overall, I mean, I'm not going to target him. And uh, I was actually looking at Fantasy Football Calculator earlier, and he's going in the 12th round, which, I mean, if you want to take him, I think that's fine to take him that late. But um, I'm just avoiding him this year. Yeah. uh, If he was in a system or had a coach who I think would let him run a little bit more than Ken Wisenhunt, I would – I think I think I might consider him. But I don't know. Ken Wisenhunt kind of comes from that – I just see Ben Roethlisberger. Like, that's that's the quarterback guy associated with Wisenhunt. And I'm not sure how he's going to do with Mariota. But I like what you said there. I do think the skill players surrounding him's value might go up. I think Delaney Walker definitely is going to be a good pick next year because rookie quarterbacks always need uh, – it seems like they rely on tight ends a lot just because they need those short throws or hot routes, stuff like that. And Doriel Green-Beckham, who, again, would have been great at the Giants, he might be, you know, a, he's a burner. He could catch some deep passes. So I think Mariota should be interesting. Tennessee should be an interesting thing to see. Uh, who is their running back right now? I haven't. They it, actually, uh, and I was going to bring that up. So thanks for uh, leading into that. This is a oh, um, And he's actually really valued for his uh, blocking ability. And they had Bishop Sankey, who's not so great at blocking. So if you're kind of thinking back to Monte Ball and Noshawn Marino, Noshawn Marino popped out of nowhere because he was able to block for Eli Manning. So whoever's able to block, they're going to get most of the opportunities. So David Cobb, he could be a a little bit of a sleeper next year. Ah, yeah, that's – I remember Bishop Sankey going pretty high last year. He didn't really – Hand out, but then again, that uh, the Tennessee team wasn't very good, so it's not like he had tons of chances. Um, I don't know. This Tennessee team seemed just seems strange to me now, and I'm just sort of looking at their roster, like their depth chart. Like Hunter Douglas is one receiver, right? Beckham. It seems like a very uh, haphazard team put together. But now that I said that, I bet they go like seven and nine or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but so obviously we knew the quarterbacks were going one, two, um, and for, you know, our sake, we'll pass over most of the defensive players. If you play in a league with defensive players, I'm sorry for just glazing over that, but I don't think many people do. So Mari Cooper, next offensive player off the board to the Raiders. I like the pick. I think it's one of the few times, uh, the Raiders have sort of made like they got the type of player they wanted and it made sense. They usually take, like, some corner who runs, like, a four two forty but can't cover anybody. Um, what do you think his value could be with uh, Derek Carr there in Oakland? Well, and they actually, they got rid of James Jones today, so his value it goes up even more now that he's gone. Um, I'm looking at Fantasy Football Calculator again, that's where I'm getting most of my information, but Last year, Brandon Cooks went in the seventh round. Kelvin Benjamin went in the eighth round. Sammy Watkins went in the ninth. Mike Evans went in the ninth. And Jordan Matthews went in the eleventh. And right now, Amari Cooper's kind of like in the middle of the ninth, which I find pretty interesting. I think people are still viewing Oakland as just that terrible team that you never want to draft a fantasy player from. But actually, last year, uh, Carr had the seventh most passing attempts in the NFL, so he's definitely not afraid to throw it. And I just think, uh, you know, Amari Cooper is their guy, and he's going to benefit from almost all cars, uh, cars passing attempts. He's going to be the guy he looks to now. So I I love him with the Oakland Raiders this year. Yeah, I think it should be a pretty good situation. And I didn't know James Jones got cut today. So that definitely opens up some more room. But uh, the Raiders were sneakily – effective last year, I want to say. Or not effective, but as a fan, there's a few fantasy players who you could sort of plug and play. Like Andre Holmes, uh, I think had like almost 700 yards, four or five touchdowns. He was a nice uh, deep wide receiver. They moved the ball, uh, just didn't score a lot. And I think you're right. The the air of Oakland just is so terrible, you should stay away. Just kind of like permeates that whole thing. But they weren't always terrible, so they got to rebuild from somewhere. And I like the Amari Cooper pick. Um, I know you were high on Kevin White before we t- when we talked last week, but I just think they needed somebody who kind of came in, and not that Kevin White isn't uh, like as de- not determined, but like regim- as regimented as Amari Cooper. But Amari Cooper came from Alabama, so he's not going to do anything but try to you know play football and be good at it. So. Sort of a culture change, maybe a little bit. 
And Kevin White could be a great guy. I'm sure he is. But um, I like the Amari Cooper pick in <clears throat> Oakland. Where, if you were drafting today, would you be looking to get Cooper in the ninth? First of all, would you be looking to draft Cooper? Are you going to target him? And would you uh, you think the ninth round is appropriate? Yeah, I think it's appropriate for where you look at guys last year, like Brandon Cooks in the seventh, obviously. I think everybody's thinking, oh, the New Orleans Saints, imagine what he can do on that offense. But being more realistic about guys like Kelvin Benjamin, who could instantly kind of insert himself, and Mike Evans in the ninth round. I mean, I know his situation was a little more shaky, but I think Cooper, I think that's actually a great pickup in the ninth. And, again, like I said, I think people are just worried about Oakland just being terrible and they kind of have that mindset. But I, I like Derek Carr with a full year under his belt and uh, James Jones going especially. Like Cooper's going to be the guy, so I would definitely target him in the ninth. And I might even go as high as the seventh to, uh, to get him next year. I think it'll be interesting to see how people uh, look at Cooper and Kevin – or not Kevin Johnson. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Kevin White because of the whole – the how well all the receivers did last year. Um, it's sort of like – I talked to, like, Joe Bond and everybody. When we do the baseball podcast, people now who, who play fantasy baseball, they always – they're obsessed with prospects because they want to find the next Mike Trout uh, – who just comes out of, he comes up for the mighty leagues and he's immediately the best player. Um, so I'm interested to see if people are reaching for these guys like Cooper and white. Um, maybe even some of the guys like who got picked later in the first round, like Perriman or Dorsett, just because they're thinking, Hey, it's so easy to be a wide receiver now in the NFL that I can get a Nelson Aguilar like in the 11th round. And he could be, he could be my Odell Beckham jr. Um, uh, you think they're going to, uh, you think people are going to be drafting these guys like that? Yeah, and I, the thing to remember kind of with the fantasy football calculator, that's a little more competitive than kind of just your regular league. So I think it, it's all kind of about bragging rights. I guess kind of when you're saying with Mike Trout, you want to be like the guy who identifies the value picks and you want to be the guy who owns Odell Beckham Jr. But you really got to find the system and how they work, and we know that a little bit better now with where the teams are. But actually with the draft, I'm actually kind of down now on Kevin White. So it's just kind of amazing what uh, what that can do. Well, Kevin White, and we can move on to talking to him. Not that he, I think he'll be bad, but he obviously has to compete for uh, targets with Alshon Jeffrey. And he also has Jay Cutler thrown to him. So that's not the most ideal situation, but um, where, where do you think he's, or where where you feel comfortable taking him in a draft? He's going in the 10th round, and I'd probably take him a little later than that. And I think there's just some underlying issues that most people won't notice right away or won't investigate into. And kind of what you're talking about with Jake Cutler, I think Derek Carr has a pretty high ceiling. He can definitely improve, whereas Jake Cutler, he can just pretty much self-destruct, and this could be the last time we see him starting in the NFL. Um, Adam Gates is also the new offensive coordinator over there, and Eddie Royal is on the team now. And I don't know if people realize how much of a role Eddie Royal can actually play, but – Last year, he averaged uh, 704 yards in the past two seasons, and he caught seven and a half touchdowns in the past two seasons with the Chargers. And also, White has to contend with uh, Matt Forte as one of the highest. Um, he had like one of the, I think he had the most receptions for running backs in the NFL last year. He gets a ton of targets and a ton of receptions. So it's just a lot of mouth to feed, and you don't know what Jay Cutler's going to do. And I think in Oakland, it's just wide open for Cooper to shine right away. Yeah, and you didn't even mention it. Did you mention Martellus Bennett, too, the tight end? Because he... Yeah, he's still there, yeah. He is a great um, red zone threat. So, yeah, let's see. Matt Forte had 102 receptions last year. I don't know how often that's ever happened. Uh, I know LaDainian Tomlinson did it one year. But, like, that, that's a lot of catches over a 16-game season. Um, so there, there, there is a lot of mouths to feed there. And especially with Jay Cutler, is not the most efficient at feeding them. Um, did you think there was a better spot for? I mean, obviously he'll help out the the Bears to win actual football games. But did you think like maybe he would have been a better fit on the Jets at six or the Redskins at five? Yeah, I actually like him at the Jets. I wouldn't like him so much on the Redskins. Uh, I also saw the Rams were interested in him, which I don't really know how that would have worked out. So, I mean, considering everything long-term, like, I think he'll be decent. 
But I, I would like the Jets better, but there's yeah, not a ton of teams I really like them on in the first couple rounds. Maybe the Giants, that'd be interesting to see. But um, just in the first year, like, I'm just not expecting a ton from them. So I just hope people look into the, like, kind of the other factors surrounding him. Just can't plug in a rookie wide receiver, even if he is a first-round pick, and expect him to perform like an Odell Beckham or a Mike Evans. Who, now that we're talking about this, I'm interested to see who were the wide receivers from the 2013 NFL draft. Just because, uh, oh, Tavon Austin was the best one. So, okay, that was a bad wide receiver class. Um, it's just interesting how people could sort of discount, like, oh, rookies are, or rookie wide receivers are sort of things when a year before the Odell Beckham's and the Brandon Cooks's. It was Cordero Patterson, and well, DeAndre Hopkins has turned out pretty good, but he wasn't great that first year, and uh, Tavon Austin. So it's never, it's kind of a crapshoot for who's going to turn out to be immediate fantasy uh, plug-and-play guys. Um, but so, again, we talked a, little, a lot about the two top guys last week. Outside of those two, who did you, which uh, rookie wide receiver has sort of caught your eye, or who do you think has, is in the best situation to produce fantasy points? Uh, I think it's really interesting situation with Nelson Gore and uh, Philadelphia now. I think Chip Kelly is just going to spread the ball around like crazy with his running backs and his wide receivers, and he still has Brent Selleck and Zach Ertz tight end. So I think it's going to be frustrating for fantasy owners for the first couple games. But I was actually in uh, MFL 10 last year, and that's where you draft and um, – you don't have to set a lineup or anything. The best ball, so essentially the highest scoring player wins or is started for you. And I just picked a bunch of Eagles, and I came in second place. So I had <laughs> Jordan Matthews and Jeremy Macklin and um, Brent Selleck and Zach Ertz because I figured, hey, one of those guys is going to go off. So if you can get uh, Jordan Matthews and Nelson Agora in the later rounds, I think that might be kind of a strategy because one of those guys has to, you know, has to absorb – all the receptions lost from uh, Macklin. Yeah, the Eagles are definitely, besides Chip Kelly and his desire to be strange and like play offense in the most unique possible way, they don't really have a number one option to throw the ball to. And, and to, despite what you may people may have thought about Macklin, there's no Macklin level, or this, what they thought about Macklin last year, I should say. There's no Macklin level talent to fill in the void there. There's no like guy that you could obviously say, okay, he's going to be the number one guy, and then two, three, four. It's like who who are they going to slot there? Jordan Matthews was great out of the slot. I don't know if he's the number one guy. Riley Cooper had a huge down year after his big 2013. So uh, I think you're right. The Eagles are going to be incredibly frustrating to watch uh, and to try to pick fantasy players for, especially in daily like fantasy football or weekly. I don't think I'm going to pick an Eagle player the entire season just because how the heck are you going to tell if they're going to throw 10 balls to Brent Selleck like, uh, or, or 15 balls to Zach Ertz, or are they going to hand it off 30 times to DeMarco Murray? And I guess that's probably what he wants, or Chip Kelly wants, to confuse actual NFL defenses. But for our sake, God damn, that's annoying. Um, he hates fantasy players. <laughs> I'm sure he does. He, he Oh, God. Um, but I kind of liked in the second round when the Jets took uh, – what's his name? From Philadelphia – not Philadelphia, from Ohio State, uh, Devin Smith. I thought that was a nice pick. Um, and he could be a nice deep fantasy value. Obviously, they don't have a great quarterback, Geno Smith, no matter what you think about him. He's not elite. Um and now they have Brandon Marshall and they have Eric Decker, but they never really had a, a, just a burner. So Devin Smith just running down the middle of the field with the corners kind of occupied with those two much better, I don't want to say much better receivers, but much more established receivers. He might be able to poach a few long touchdowns and uh, have sort of like a Deshaun Jackson rookie year sort of season where he has like six or seven long touchdowns, doesn't have a ton of yards or receptions, but he might be able to, you know, win you a couple of weeks. Um, how do you think he? Do you think the Jets' offense is all capable of getting points? And do you think Devin Smith? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it definitely helps out. I think this is kind of a no excuse uh, year for Geno Smith because 
He has Marshall. He has Decker. Uh, he has Jason Morrow, the tight end. He should be involved more this year. Now he has Smith to go down the field. So uh, they have a crap ton of running backs now, and, I mean, they have some weapons for him. So I think this is kind of a do-or-die year for Geno. And, I mean, I might be interested in taking him as a backup just to see how everything works out. But, um, yeah, I think this is a year of no excuses. So uh kind of have to see what happens there. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously they took – Leonard Williams with their first pick. That's a pretty good-looking team if you just look at their skill positions and their front seven and their corners. Like, if Geno Smith plays well, that could be a, a very good team. But if he plays bad, it could be drafting in the top ten again. So it'll be interesting to see how his, he like his maturation process, if it comes through. This is his third season, um, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, ho- yeah. so, so hopefully – he sort of got things together a little bit, and and he can spread the ball around to some of those offensive uh, weapons that they now have around him. Because that first year, he pretty much had nothing. Uh, but he got yeah, a, I think a little bit, a little bit too has to go with uh, Rex Ryan not knowing if he's going to have a job or not. And I think coaches will do some things to save their jobs. So when you have a fresh start, I mean, the fresh start could be good for him as well. And now he has new coaches and everything. So yeah, and. Uh, their, their new coach doesn't seem like the type to play it safe, or, or not play it safe, but just to run the ball like 40 times a game, like uh, Rex Ryan had done at times. So I think they'll they'll take some chances. Uh, but what I was saying before that is I wanted to ask you about your Baltimore Ravens and their first round pick, Prashad Perryman. I think I said that right. What do you what can we expect out of him? You think he's gonna fill in for? Because I know you just lost Corey Smith, I believe. Um, is he going to be a worthwhile pick? Yes, we lost Torrey Smith, and even though Jacoby Jones wasn't huge in the passing attack, we lost him too. We don't know if Pitt is going to come back. So there's actually there was a pretty big need to grab a wide receiver, and even though it was a little surprising, I think we haven't selected a wide receiver in the first round in 10 years or something like that. But Torrey Smith in fantasy, he was normally a top 20 option, and I know Steve Smith kind of cut into him a little bit. But you got to remember, I think he's going to be 36 this year, and he's going to be more of a mentor. Um, I think Perriman can kind of just jump in, and he might have the stuff to be a top 20 receiver, just kind of finish outside a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I like the pick, and uh, I, I like his fantasy value this year too. And from what I saw on tape, he has a flair for the deep ball. And we know Joe Flacco can throw the deep ball. Um, do you think he pushes Joe Flacco's value up at all? Or are you still sort of, is Joe Flacco still sort of that 10 to 15 range for quarterbacks? Yeah, I think he's still at 10 to 15 range. I think they're going to, I mean, we have a lot of options now at running back. So I think we're just going to kind of run heavy and let, uh, let Joe throw the deep ball, and he's not going to do anything super exciting this year, but they'll do enough to win games, have a steady offense. That is the story of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what Perriman does uh, because, you know, I watched all that Mel Kiper stuff and all the Todd McShay stuff, and they said he makes the tough catches look easy, but sometimes he makes the easy catches look tough, so... If he could make some fantastic deep like touchdown runs, but he could also might not be the best PPR option. Just if he's dropping balls across the middle, he may not get a, a bunch more looks. Um, but hey, he'd probably fix that stuff in the uh, off season. All right, wide receivers done, quarterbacks done. On to the running back crop, uh, and we focused pretty much on Gordon and Gurley last week. Like a lot more I want to talk about today. So hope you're ready. Um, but let's start with Todd Gurley, first top 10 running back since Trent Richardson. Do we think he's going to be serviceable, or do we think he's going to be Trent Richardson? Hopefully he's better than Trent Richardson, but I was really <laughs> surprised that the, the Rams took him there. I don't necessarily think that made a whole lot of sense, but uh, I was kind of looking at Trey Mason and Benny Cunningham and Zach Stacy, and it was kind of obvious some guys who could rush some, but with Gurley, uh, I mean, he he can kind of do it all. Um, the only thing that scares me a little bit is he's not coming back. I think I think week four is 
when he when he would be cleared or when he could play. But they have a bye week in week five. So I think it's more likely that he'll start in week six. So it kind of reminds me of the Josh Gordon situation a little bit. I think people will stash him on their bench, and then uh, they'll be like, oh, should I get rid of him or should I trade him even before he even plays? And if he doesn't play or if he doesn't perform well in his first game, people will just drop him, and then maybe you know the next two or three games he gets in a rhythm and really gets going. So I think he's just kind of a difficult player to project and definitely – hold on to for kind of standard uh, fantasy football players. They might not like having to wait to have them on the bench that long. So, Yeah, and I heard some talk uh, right after they picked him that Jeff Fisher, and, you know, he was probably just saying this to be um, to sort of lower expectations of ter- Todd Gurley, but he said if Todd Gurley needs to miss the whole season, he's fine with that. They'll go start fresh with him next year. Um, I mean, he tore his ACL in November, so – it usually takes what ten months, so that would that would put him around August before he could probably start running. So it could it could definitely um, cut into the season, and I don't know if I would stash him like how people stashed Josh Gordon last year just because they have that crowded backfield, um, and this kind of screws up my whole uh, early season strategy. Is I really like Trey Mason, and I was thinking I was going to take him as maybe a, like a late number one running back or a number two running back. So yeah, you put I him in the fourth round in our draft, right? Yeah, I really liked him. He was great for me down the stretch uh, last year, and he seemed like the type of back that could uh, – he, he fit into the NFL system. Um, I know Zach Stacy and Benny Cunningham had had their, their moments, but Ty Gurley, like he played great against uh, the Seahawks in one game. He's – He's putting up a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. I mean, he he wasn't a great blocker, which hurt. But, again, he was like a fourth-round pick. So I thought, you know, they're going to give him another year. He'll grow. He'll mature. So he was uh, my – I think I took a buddy back in the third round. But I was really happy to see Trey Mason there taking the fourth. I was so happy with that. Now it sort of seems like he may get some of his carries cut. Hopefully, like, if, if uh, Gurley comes back, like you said, in week six, maybe – Trey Mason has played well enough that he's going to get 70% of the carries and, you know, bring Gurley in on third downs because Mason has struggled with uh, blocking. So, wishful thinking on my part. I think it'll be interesting to to see how far Mason falls. So, I mean, he could end up with value. If you see him in, like, the fifth, sixth, seventh round, I wouldn't mind taking Mason there and getting, you know, five or six big games after him. Uh, you broke up there for a second, Jack. What uh, what did you say about Trey Mason? Oh, it would be interesting to see how much this makes him fall. So if you can get him in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round, um, you know, I'd love to have a guy who would have a good you know, seven weeks and then just kind of adjust my plans from there. Yeah, and that's seven weeks is like half the season, especially with once you got to get into playoffs uh, and all that stuff. So I still like Trey Mason. Um I don't know. I feel comfortable making him my first running back. I would take if I went, if I went receivers heavy in the beginning or, or took a quarterback like in the second round. Um, we will have to see. I got lucky last year with Le'Veon Bell at the end of the first round, so I don't think I'll be getting him unless I have a top three pick. So I got to really rethink my whole uh, running back strategy this off season. Um, but that's sort of what I wanted to. Well, actually, before we get to that. Melvin Gordon, I don't want to forget about him, went to San Diego, who needed uh, a running back. I think you even pointed out that this would be a good landing spot for him or Gurley when we talked on Tuesday last week. Um, What do you think Melvin Gordon's fantasy potential is, and uh, do you think he's running back two material? Yeah, but I was I was looking at some of the stuff last year for the Chargers just to kind of get a breakdown of how much they ran from the ball. And between Brandon Oliver, Ryan Matthews, and Donald Brown, they ran 319 times. And that doesn't include Danny Woodhead or Ronnie Brown. So it was, I think it was about almost 350 times they were running the ball. Um, I was looking at the numbers for anybody who ran or who rushed for more than uh, or had more than 235 rushing attempts. And some of those guys, Justin Forsett, Eddie Lacy, Frank Gore, Alfred Morris, Matt Forte, Marshawn Lynch, and LaShawn McCoy, and obviously DeMarco Murray. So if he gets around that amount of rushing attempts, that doesn't automatically mean he's going to be 
a fantasy stud, but it's going to put him in a good position to be productive in his first year. And he's not a big pass catcher, but they have Danny Woodhead for that. So, yeah, I'm thinking, I think I said like maybe 800 to 900 yards on the last podcast. I'm thinking maybe 800 to 1,000, maybe six or seven touchdowns. So, I think he's a guy to be good as a second running back or in the flex position. So, I kind of like him a little more now because he's going to play the whole season as opposed to early. So, would you, uh, do you like him? more than, say, some second-year running backs like a Bishop Sankey from last year? Would you go Melvin Gordon over Sankey as an example? Yeah, let me, and I'm actually – let me look at some other guys going around there. So, yeah, Chris Ivory right before him, uh, Denard Robinson after, and the Jacksonville Jaguars grabbed a running back, so I don't like Robinson next year. Um you have Doug Martin near the end of the seventh, and the Buccaneers just said that they wanted to get Charles Sims more involved. And after that, you have Ryan Matthews and Shane Vereen. So, out of those guys, I think Gordon has um, better better success. Yeah, I think Gordon. And despite what you may think about um, the Wisconsin Badgers' ability to produce running backs, I think uh, – Gordon should be a pretty good player in the NFL. And he gets to play the Raiders. He's playing the Broncos. So he does have some tough teams to play, and then also the Chiefs. Um, but I think as long as Phillip Rivers is still there, that offense is still going to be, you know, top half of the league. Uh, so defenses are going to have to respect Phillip Rivers' ability to pass. So there should be running lanes to get through, just even even though they have to play some of those tough teams. Uh, but I think I'd take him um, as a flex. I don't know. I'd take him as a – maybe I'd take him as a number two. I just get weary of taking rookie running backs as, again, like one of my top two running back slots. I prefer taking second or third year guys just to have a little more seasoning and who've um, sort of experienced the pace of the game a little more because, you know, rookie running backs don't always come in right away and, and you know, play to their potential. Um, but – I think there are some interesting guys later in the who went later in the actual NFL draft. I know you just mentioned uh, the Jaguars took a running back with TJ Yeldon. He could be okay. Um, I'm not too thrilled on the Jaguars' possibilities. But I like, uh, I think, where did he go in the third round? I think the Lions took Amir Abdullah. Yeah, right? the Lions. And I like that pick a lot. I was really hoping the Giants might end up with Amir Abdullah um, because he seems like a pretty solid all-around back. And the Giants can sort of use somebody like that. They've, uh, I mean, they have Rashad Jennings, but they haven't had a great running back who could do everything for a while. So I thought he, that was a great pick for the Lions, especially because they like to you know swing the ball out and give their uh, running back some space to work with. And he's a fantastic kick returner. And he uh, kind of got overshadowed in that big 10 by Melvin Gordon, but he was fantastic. Uh, what do you think uh, about Amir Abdullah for fantasy this season? Yeah, his draft profile is actually compared to Andre Ellington, which I think is decent. Um, he's actually a top five performer in five of the combine drills. So even I think he's like 5'9", but he's got a crazy vertical. He can do a lot of different things. And the Lions, they just kind of need that, uh, say, like Reggie Bush almost. But I mean, he had a good season. He didn't necessarily work out with the Lions. But I think they need that guy who can do it all, who can catch the ball, who can rush. And Joy Bell, I'm not a huge fan of Joy Bell, and I don't think Theo Reddick can really rush the ball. So I think they do get a pretty good option in uh, in, the, in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, where, what number did he go? Uh, well, I looked that up. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you about – Drake Bell, he seems more of a straight line guy, and I'm not sure. I think he went in the second round of our mock draft, which I thought was pretty high. Um, yeah, he did. That was super early, I thought, too. I, I guess he was the next best running back on the board, but I didn't think he was a second round player. Um, I don't know. He didn't really, I guess he was a little banged up last year for a few games, but he didn't seem to really take the reins of the Lions' uh, running back position by force and like sort of dominate. So I'm, I'm hesitant to go with him. Theoretic, I, I, 
he could be good, he could be bad. I just think Abdul Abdullah has the ability to hit like hit the big play, and I think the Lions are sort of offense predicated on that. So I think he may uh, fit in perfectly with Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson and uh, Matthew Stafford. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if he's he's getting a lot of plays sort of drawn up for him, like maybe some swing plays, some screen plays, just to get him in space to see what he can do. Because that's sort of what the NFL has become. Just get your best players, give them the ball, and give them space and let them go. Um, so Duel's a guy I, I'm definitely going to be looking for him. I don't know what round he's going now. I would think probably 12th or later. He might be one of my late uh, flex picks. Would you? Uh, are you interested in drafting him at all in any of your teams right now? Yeah, look at him now. He's going near the end of the 11th round, and Similar guys, Darren Sproles and Joseph Randall and the Cowboys. Uh, Fred Jackson's going kind of close to him. So I think it was like you're saying, like, it's a big play team. And with Calvin Johnson and everybody, there's just so many weapons to contain that you can kind of just burst out of nowhere and give them that spark that they need. So in the 11th round, 10th round, I think that's a pretty good pickup. Yeah, I, I am a fan of him. Uh, I'll probably be talking about him for many more podcasts. But it just seems like they send those receivers down the field and then Abdullah sort of squeaks out of the back and they just throw a two yard pass to him. But the whole secondary has dropped so far back to contain golden Tate and Calvin Johnson. He could have 10, 15 yards of just open real estate to run with. And if they do that four or five times a game in a PPR league, like that's a pretty solid flex guy. Um, and depending on how the touch like how he, if he gets a touchdown, he, there's even more value there. Oh, God. I wish he was a giant. Um, anyway, there's a lot of other running backs. Went? Did you – any other people, any other running backs that you had uh, your eye on as maybe late-round sleeper – or not a sleeper, but late-round value for uh, fantasy who was a running back? Yeah, I was looking at Tevin Coleman on the Falcons. Uh, they had Devonta Freeman now, and it was actually – I forget who I said earlier had the good pass protection. I don't think – I don't think it – was who I mentioned earlier is actually uh, Tevin Coleman was praised for his pass protection, but and that's just similar to No Shaw Marino and Monte Ball. If a rookie can go in there and uh, you know Matt Ryan's going to need protection to zing it down the field to <laughs> excuse me Julio Jones and Roddy White, so I kind of like him. Um, let's see if there's anybody else. Uh, I think Duke Johnson on Cleveland's interesting. I like Isaiah Crowell a lot heading in. Uh, heading into the season before the draft, but that kind of pushes his value down. And Terrence West, I think, just loses a ton of value right there. So Duke Johnson, somebody I'm going to keep my eye on on the Browns. Yeah, I was going to say Duke Johnson as a guy that I really uh, liked. I think he didn't land in the most ideal situation for us fantasy football players because Isaiah Crowell seemed like the guy, especially when they got rid of Ben Tate last year, that they sort of were build, building around for their future. Or not even – they were just giving him the the job, wanted to see what he could do with it. Uh, I thought Duke Johnson was really good at Miami last year on a Miami team that wasn't fantastic. Uh, he played great in that Florida State game, which was probably the only Miami game I watched. But I think he's a tough runner, and he, he's he got some moves. He's a quick little back. Um, I just would have preferred he was on a team where maybe he was – sort of like with uh, Abdullah, where he might have had some opportunities to get more playing time. Because I don't know if he can pass Terrence West and I Crowley on the depth chart. So that's an interesting one. I was also interested in Jeremy Langford before the draft, but then he ended up on the Browns. Uh, or not the Browns. We were just talking about the Browns. The Bears. Yeah, the Bears. So, like, I thought he was great at Michigan State last season, and I thought he might be a nice uh, value pick for a team needing a running back late. But now he's stuck behind Matt Forte. So, I mean, if there's an injury to Matt Forte, then I'd probably look for Langford to have a big season. But, I mean, A, I'm not going to hope for an injury to Matt Forte. But uh, I, I thought he could have been really good. So that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, if you draft a guy like Forte, just because it's going to be so early in the draft, I'm not a huge fan of handcuffing, but I think that's where you do have to handcuff somebody. Yeah, Um Especially with the Bears, because there's no other – it's not like they run a, a dual running back system or something like that, or they have a guy ready to step in. Last season, it was pretty much just Forte. Um, so, 
it's sad for us fantasy players who are looking for Jeremy Langford to have a big season, but I will, uh, you know, the Bears made a good pick there, so I can't fault them. I can't fault them there. They've got some nice rookie uh, playmakers out there. Um, so let's sort of just talk about teams overall in general, because we went through all the basic position plays, uh, players. Think. Is there any other running backs you want to touch on? Any other receivers? Anything we missed before we sort of moved to a larger scale thing? The only, and this could be a super sleeper I was looking at. The guy's name is uh, Vince Millay, and I haven't had a ton of time to like kind of research into him, but he's apparently a former basketball player. He's really athletic. He was selected by the Browns, and since that whole situation is just kind of up in the air, maybe he's a guy who just emerges. He's uh, 6'2", 224, so he's got some pretty good size on him. Those basketball players seem to turn out pretty well in the NFL, so I don't think that's a bad guy to keep an eye on either. It's strange that that's how that works. Um, Damn. I uh, was looking at Stephon Diggs from Maryland, who I thought might be uh, just a really deep guy as well. I remember him coming out of high school. Where did he end up? Where did he Uh, go? Yeah. He went to – oh, I just had it up uh, – the Vikings. So okay. they don't have the most uh, – the biggest arsenal of wide receivers out there. So he gets the playing time. And Teddy Bridgewater was a pretty good uh, quarterback last season under the radar. So if he takes a big step, maybe he starts thinking the ball a little bit. But I just remember Stephon Diggs being a uh, a physical specimen. Like he had the skill – athletic ability. I don't know if he ever really put it together in Maryland because he was a fifth-round pick. But, you know, if some things break right, like Cordero Patterson seems to be out of favor there. I don't know what else is going on um, with the rest of those guys. So if if he gets an opportunity, he may be, you know, putting in some touchdowns. He may be the season's like Jarvis Landry or something. That's wishful thinking, obviously. But another good guy to keep an eye on. All right, so we got about 15 minutes left. Uh, just wanted to go over quickly which teams you sort of thought did the best job in improving their fan. Like as a whole, which teams' fantasy stock did you think you think rose? Um, like we were talking about the Lions, I thought theirs rose a little bit. I thought the Titans, their whole starting lineup sort of rose a little bit. Any other teams like that that you can think of off the uh, off the top of your head? I'm going to go with the Dolphins just because of the first round. Oh, actually, the later round, too. But with uh, Devontae Parker, there's kind of an embarrassment of riches now in Miami with Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, Jordan Cameron, and uh, Greg Jennings will be hanging around there, too. And, oh, we missed it. In the uh, fifth round, they took Jay Jay Ajay. Um, He had some concerns because of his knee injury. But Lamar Miller's entering the final year of his contract, and – I think he could kind of quickly edge him out of a starting role. And even if they only get like two or three years and his knee is really messed up, uh, he's somebody to keep an eye on for 2015 fantasy football league. So I think the Dolphins have done a really good job with surrounding Tannehill with weapons. And I think that whole team kind of took a step up with their picks in the draft. Yeah, I think the Dolphins, uh, sort of like who we were talking about before, I think Geno Smith. When you were saying it was sort of like a show-me season for Geno Smith, I think it's going to be a similar situation for um, Ryan Tannehill. That they're like, okay, you may not have had weapons before. You may not have had all the receivers, you know, other teams have had. So here you go. Here's four or five guys who are a pretty good talent. And let's see if you can be our quarterback or not. that's actually interesting, Tannehill. Where, uh, what do you think? Of, what do you think about him? Where would you put him? Obviously, I'd probably say top fifteen, like fifteen to ten to fifteen. But uh, are you high on Tannehill, or but, uh, what are your thoughts there? I'm probably more high on him than yeah. I'm high on him probably a little more than a lot of people. I think he finished in the top ten last year, and. The big stat that I just keep my eye on is in 2013, he was the most sacked quarterback, and in 2014, he was the third most. So if his line stays healthy and he can just get a little more protection in time, I think he can enter top five numbers, and especially for where you can get him in the back part of drafts, you can get him in eighth, ninth, tenth round. I think he's going to be uh, an incredible value for next year. 
Yeah, that should be interesting. He's one of those guys who sort of puts up uh, quiet numbers where he's going to throw for – he can have some good games, but he's never going to have that huge six-touchdown, 500-yard game. Maybe, well, maybe he'll have them this year. I don't know. But in the past, it seemed like he sort of put up sneaky good numbers, and you're like, oh, Ryan Tannehill had that many yards? Okay. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I sort of liked what the Colts did this uh, in this draft. I liked – they took another receiver with Philip Dorsett. Uh, I just thought they sort of are giving uh, – they're sort of building a team around Andrew Luck more now than they sort of had before where they were just sort of bandaged parts around him. Um, and I know we talked last – I think last week about Rodgers and Luck being the only two elite quarterbacks. Um, so I think now if, if Luck has a more you know solid team around him, that uh, those other guys on the team already and the rookie and uh, could really take off. Um, what do you what do you think we could expect from Andrew Luck? Do you think he'll, you know, put up vintage Peyton Manning numbers this year, or you think he's still going to be uh, a little raw on the on the stat side? Yeah, the only thing I'm concerned about with him for next year is he actually has a little more value uh, being a mobile quarterback than people realize. So he has Frank Gore in there, and he might not have to scamper around as much. And he just has so many weapons with Andre Johnson and T.Y. Hilden, and his tight ends are ridiculous, and now he has Dorsett. So, uh, and, I mean, the Colts might get so far ahead of every other team when they're playing them that they might just run the ball the rest of the game. So I think he's just going to have a great year, but – It'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see how all that kind of factors into everything. He maybe he doesn't have as good of a fantasy year just because it's such a dominant team. And he's not going to be asked to do so much. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, sort of like what uh, Stephen Curry had in the NBA. Not to keep jumping around to all these various sports as examples, but they were blowing people out, so he wasn't playing fourth quarters. Um, you know, hopefully he'll get his points early, and then they can run it later. But if you if you see Frank Gore's two touchdowns in the first half, you may be uh, in for a long day if you have Andrew Luck as your quarterback. Um, I thought it was an interesting draft. I know we were talking about it a little bit before we came on air. It, it did seem very, uh, not generic, but very stock. Like teams took who they needed. Not too many people moved around. Um, I really do wish Chip Kelly moved up and tried to take Mariota just for the hell of it, just to see something else happen. Um, because that would have been fun uh, to see him try to go for broke. Um, is there anything else you were – I'm sure you missed, were missing the Mariota trade too, but is there anything else sort of lacking in this draft in your opinion? Yeah, last year was just crazy. And like you said, we were talking earlier, we talked about Johnny Manziel. And I just remember last year, Jerry Jones, I think the rumor was he wanted to take Johnny Manziel, and his son actually took the pick out of his hand and wouldn't let him turn it in. So we didn't really have anything like that this year. And I think that most interesting thing, though, is Sam Bradford is pretty much the Eagles quarterback now. So instead of seeing what would happen to him, we know he's geared in as a starter. Yeah. That is something that I'm, I don't want to say I'm excited for as a Giant fan, but to see the season start with their quarterbacks being Sam Bradford, Mark Sanchez, and Tim Tebow. Uh, because, again, Chip Kelly sort of scares me, and he could like completely understand what he's doing, and it could work out perfectly. But that, uh, that Eagles quarterback situation is not great, and I thought Nick Foles was pretty solid. And maybe Sam Bradford's going to be good if they can keep him upright, but... Oof, I'm not sure I'd want that. Um, but, yeah, I think the Johnny Manziel factor are just a star. Like, and, and Winston and Mariota were stars in their own right, but they weren't Johnny Manziel stars, or they weren't um, Jadavion Clowney. Like, I remember last year watching the draft, and uh, what's his name? Not Mel Kuyper, the other guy. John Gruden suggested to Mel Kuyper when the Eagles came on the clock that Chip Kelly should take Johnny Manziel. And Mel Kuyper gave... John Gruden, the dirtiest look I've ever seen in my life. It's like, cause he, that's, that's all John Gruden talked about the whole, until Johnny Mantel got picked was, I had this guy in my quarterback camp, and I loved him, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it did sort of lack a star power. But uh, I also thought that the Chicago thing was kind of weird. I think they should put it back in New York. I don't know why. It's just I liked it better in New York. Did you uh, 
notice anything strange? Or was it weird for you that there was in Chicago? Did you even notice that it was in Chicago? I was like, I would have loved to see it in Dallas. I think that would have been amazing with their huge screen. And I mean, I think that would be a destination, really. That'd be a huge event. I think the Chicago thing. I think they, I think they did a good job, and it was cool. But I think there's some other venues that would have really been more of an extravaganza. Yeah, and it seems like they're really trying to blow out this NFL draft thing. Um, and I'm not sure it needs to be in such a huge setting. But anyway, that might just be my East Coast bias. But uh, all right, I think that's all we've got to talk about for today. Once these guys sign and once some more, uh, you know, we get some reports out of mini camps and OTAs and all that stuff, we'll probably get back on the podcast. Hopefully we can get Sarah on here uh, so she can give us some advice. Not, not that I don't love talking to you, Jack, but you're the only football guest we've had. <laughs> so hopefully we can drum up a few more. Uh and then get a nice roundtable going, talk about some. Maybe we'll do like a conference by conference, or, uh, division preview, stuff like that. No, that seems like a good idea. Um, but, Jack, thanks for coming on. Why don't you shout out your uh, info all again so people can find your stuff, and then we'll uh, sign off here. Yes, sure. Thanks for having me again. And you can find me at yourfantasyfootballcoach.com, and you can see me on Twitter at yourffcoach. Yeah, he's also got a few ebooks up on Amazon, I believe. Uh, one or one of them may have a uh, quote from yours truly, so look out for that. Uh, about the zero running back strategy, which we touched on a little bit last week. So if you were listening and you were wondering, you know, like the, the more intricate details of that, it's on Amazon, right, Jack? It is, yeah. And I'm actually working on another one now. I'm looking into the uh... – you may hear all these terms like contrarian and everything else. I'm actually looking into the financial sector, looking into investment strategies and how you can use them to win your fantasy football league. So it is going to be very interesting and I hope very helpful. That is really, that's incredibly interesting uh, to me at least, because I remember once when I was in college, somebody was like, I think, I think we should get into the stock market. I was like, I can predict fantasy football players. Why shouldn't I be able to predict stocks? So uh, I'm looking forward to that. So stay tuned for that from Mr. Jack Delaney. Stay tuned to so-called fantasy experts for more podcasts. Hopefully we'll have another baseball one this week for all of you multi, multi-sport multi fantasy players. Um, yeah, so this is Travis Pastor signing off. We'll catch you again next week. And that's about it. Jack, thanks for coming on again. And we will talk to you soon. This has been the Fantasy Football Podcast. Catch you later. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.